Today, I'm excited to introduce festival faculty Kelly Dwyer. Kelly Dwyer's third novel, Ghost Mother, will be published by Union Square and Company in fall 2024. Kelly taught, at the, in, oh, Kelly taught in the University of Wisconsin system for 15 years, as well as the Iowa Summer Writing Festival for over 25 years. Whether working with authors in person or online, Kelly is passionate about helping folks achieve success. A graduate of the Iowa Writers' Workshop and Oberlin College, Kelly grew up in San Pedro, California, and now divides her time between Madison and Los Angeles. Kelly also writes flash fiction and plays, which have been performed in New York, Boston, and Glasgow. She didn't include this last bit in her official bio, but she possesses an otherworldly ability to make emails exciting. <laughs> um, speaking of which, Whenever I think of publishing, or rather the career side of writing, excitement isn't exactly the first word I jump to. However, after corresponding with Kelly, after perusing her website and reading her work and seeing a picture of her waving a sign at the writer's strike while wearing just the biggest smile, I felt something kind of like hope. Life is too important to be taken seriously, Kelly writes on her website, quoting Oscar Wilde, which is why I thought she'd be the perfect voice to start off our week. Her expertise is tempered, but never jaded. It's playful and yet rigorous all the same. She's a welcoming soul in an industry that, unfortunately, seems nebulous, daunting, and secretive. And I wish more people, not just publishers, shared her openness to life. Um, I'll, I'll refrain from piling on more compliments because selfishly, I want to sit down with my own notepad. So without further ado, please welcome Kelly Dwyer. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you, Mason. I really appreciate that, and I appreciate all of you being here. Oh, there, the mic kicked in. Great. Um, it's so great to have you here in this room and on campus to see everyone in person. I've been teaching over Zoom through the University of Iowa Summer Writing Festival, and I'll continue to do that, but there's just such a great energy to being all together in person, so thank you so much for coming and attending the festival. Um, today we're talking about prepping for publication. This is my pug, Rosie. She lived for 13 years and died last year, and unfortunately she never got her novel published, but <laughs> she wasn't very good at the keyboard, so I don't think that should deter you. Um, today, oops, it was working a minute ago. There we go. Today we'll discuss why and why not to publish, Suggestions for submitting short writing, poems, stories, and flash. Today's publishing trends, AI in writing and publishing, my publication experience, how and where to submit your novel or memoir, query letters and synopses, self-publishing your novel or memoir, and when I asked my 21-year-old daughter, if you were going to a presentation on publishing, what would you want to know about? And she said money. So that's there too. <laughs> um, and uh, time for questions and tips from you. I'll break us up during the presentation to ask for questions, but we'll also have plenty of time at the end. Why to publish? You want readers. We're all cave people sitting around the fire telling stories, and we want an audience. You want to get rid of your manuscript. Margaret Atwood says there are two ways to be done with 
a work of writing. One is to throw it away, but that's not very effective because you can always retrieve it, and the other is to publish it. Um, you want to see your name in a magazine or book is an accomplishment, and money. Maybe not a realistic reason, but here's hoping, right? Um, why not to publish? Your manuscript might be very personal. You're simply writing for self-expression. You'd rather not deal with rejections. And I just want to note that either way, you're a writer. A runner is someone who runs, not someone who finishes first in the New York City Marathon. And a writer is someone who writes. So you're here. You're a writer. Congratulations already. Um, first, we'll start with tips for shorter submissions, flash, poetry, stories. The first step is to study literary magazines and decide which is the best fit for your piece. Every magazine is different, and they want different things. What sort of acceptance rate are you searching for? Competitive, generous, or in between? We'll talk more about that in a minute. Some literary magazines and contests charge a reading fee, so you need to decide if you want to spend money on submitting or how much. For me personally, I've spent two or three dollars on a reading fee because I feel that's fair. Someone is taking the time to read my work and it's good for the magazine. One time I spent $25 to submit a play, but three writers gave me a I think it was about three single space pages of notes each. So I thought that was fair compensation. I got great feedback from professionals. Otherwise, I personally wouldn't spend that much to just enter a contest. Um, but it's up to you what you want to do. Just make sure wherever you're sending money, it's legitimate. When you decide which magazines are right for you, be sure to go to their websites and follow their submission guidelines. How to know where to submit shorter pieces. I am not getting paid by Duotrope, but I cannot recommend it enough. It's, uh, it's a website. You can sign up for a free 10-day trial period, and then it's $5 a month or $50 a year. And it's a huge database of literary magazines that you can filter by, uh, well, alpha alphabetical, by word count by acceptance rate. So if you're maybe far along in your writing career and you want a very prestigious magazine with a 1% uh, acceptance rate, you can find that there. If you're just starting out and you think, I want more of a 50-50 chance, you can look at magazines that have 50% acceptance rate. And there are even some that have 80%. So it's a great resource. Poets and Writers also has a database of a thousand literary journals. They also have an open readings section, and um, you can also sign up for their submission tracker. I subscribe to Poets and Writers. You get an email that tells you about upcoming contests or opportunities to submit. Readsy Blog also has a database of journals, and you can follow editors on Twitter and maybe threads. The cover letter should be short and to the point. You don't need to say much, if anything, about the poem or story you're submitting. You might tell the editors why you're choosing their particular magazine. You can include some biographical information if you want. Um, if you studied English or creative writing in school, you might include that. If you studied astronomy and you're writing sci-fi, you might include that. Um, you can also mention that you've taken courses at the Iowa Summer Writing Festival. 
So here's a sample cover. This is adapted from Gotham. Dear first name, last name. I think that um, it's a good idea not to say Mr. or Ms. because we don't necessarily know how a person identifies from their name. So Joe Brown, Joanne Brown, submitted for your consideration is The Misfits of Greenwood, a short story of 2,000 words. Ha Ha Magazine is a publication that values humor, an element I hope you enjoy in this story. I've taken many creative workshops, or I've attended the University of Iowa Summer Writing Festival. Thank you for your consideration. Short and to the point. In terms of the response, don't be discouraged upon receiving rejections. F. Scott Fitzgerald used to wallpaper his room with rejection slips, seeing them as inspiration and a badge of honor, and everyone gets rejected, it's a part of the process. You'll probably receive a, for a form letter rejection. If you receive a personal note asking you to revise or submit again, seize the opportunity and do so. That person is sincere, they don't write that to everyone. Know that just completing a story or poem is a wonderful accomplishment. But if you do receive an acceptance, celebrate, that's a special achievement. And if your writing gets published, please let me in the festival know. We want to brag about your success. You might also be interested in publishing on Medium or Substack. These are open platforms in which you can publish a blog without a personal website. And it's possible to make money on these sites through subscriptions. Okay, before we move on to novel or memoir, does anyone have any questions about submitting shorter works? Yes? But Amazon also has a uh, self-publishing. Is that for novels only or is that for shorter pieces as well? As far as I know, it's just for books, novels, and memoirs. I haven't seen any short stories or poems on there, but we could look that up. Yeah. What sort of protection in terms of ideas or intellectual property, I guess, are afforded by doing one of these online shorter formats? Oh, that's a good question. Well, I know that you can um, copyright your work in, on some level just by using the um, copyright uh, tag, but I think you would need to talk to a lawyer about you know, any kind of more protection than that. I think that's a good question um, because unfortunately there are people out there who could take ideas or, or pieces. I know someone that happened to with a screenplay, um, but I haven't had that experience with poems or short stories, but it's good to be cautious, yeah. Okay. Real quick, could you go back to the last slide? <laughs> <laughs> so Medium and Substack are um, two uh, forms that offer uh, writers the opportunity to create an account and submit, um, not even submit, just post poems, short stories, articles, essays, personal blogs without having a website. And it's very easy to sign up. Um, it doesn't cost anything unless you want to subscribe to other people's. Uh, some, some material is subscription only. Okay, now we're moving on to my publication story as a segue into novels and memoirs, as a segue into books. 
Um, I should mention that I, the one form I'm not talking about today is the nonfiction book proposal. I don't know anything about that. I'm sure there are people here could could help you with that, and I just um, didn't. I, I just wanted to focus on on things that I've uh, experienced due to time constraints. Um, I'll start with my publication story before we talk about your novels and memoirs. Um, as Mason said, I'm in the middle of the publication process for my third novel. This doesn't make me an expert on publication, but it makes me an expert on my own experience. Thoreau says I wouldn't talk about myself so much if it wasn't the subject I knew the most about. Um, my first two books were published pretty soon right after graduate school here at the workshop. And while I sometimes feel like that was just a few years ago, it was not. So with my latest novel, Ghost Mother, in some ways I was starting over again. However, I did have the same agent from so many years ago. And the thing I like best about my agent is that he's an astute business person and a careful reader of literature. So he's able to talk to me about strategy and themes. And that was really important to me. So when you do have an offer from an agent, you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. Make sure you find a good fit. Ghost Mother is a psychological ghost story about a woman who moves into a house that she feels might be haunted. The question of the novel is the same as in The Turn of the Screw. Is the house really haunted, or is the protagonist losing touch with reality? Most of the book takes place in the present, but there's a backstory about the circus family who lived and died in the house, a story that Lily investigates to find out if the house might really be haunted or if she's going crazy. When I first sent my agent the manuscript, he loved the present story, but had real problems with the backstory. So I spent a year revising the backstory, sent it to him again, and he had the same problems. So <laughs> the, the path was, was not smooth in that, in that sense. Um, I think it was at that point, or maybe when I first sent him the manuscript, he said, you know, I don't really like ghost stories. So if I'm not the right representative for you, we can find someone else in the agency to represent you. And I said, no, I want to keep making it better, and I want to make it so that people who don't like ghost stories like this book. So I kept working on it for another year and uh, got the backstory down and this time my agent said okay you nailed it let's send it out um, he began sending it to editors last November and December we had two offers uh, one from the publishing house at Barnes and Noble called Union Square and Company and uh, that was the one that we chose when I first published my first two books many years ago the editing process was very hands-on. I worked with my editor, I worked with her assistant, and I had a couple of weeks of 16-hour days with a copy editor. This editor, I don't know if it's because the publishing industry has changed or it's just this editor's style. She has been in the business for a long time, but she is just much more hands-off. So she gave me some notes, and I've really just been figuring out how to implement them by myself or with the help of a couple of friends or with my agent. The other thing that really helped me was the letters that we got from the publishing houses that passed on the book. Um, at my request, my agent sent me those. You can opt out not to see those if that sort of thing bothers you. But I found it very helpful. I took all of the comments and sort of dismissed outlier comments and then 
tried to find patterns and themes and see if I could, if that would help me in the revision process. In this book, one common comment was it doesn't have the major twists of contemporary thrillers nowadays like Alice Feeney and that really surprised me because I did not know I was writing a thriller. I thought I was writing like a classic literary ghost story with character development and a murder mystery. So I first I was like okay I need a major twist at the end and then I realized that was not going to work for this book. Um, and those sorts of twists need to really be implanted at page one. But I did think, well, what I could do in taking this, these comments and adapting them to fit my needs, I thought maybe I could take the twist I have and make sure it lands harder. So that's, that's how I took those comments and helped re revise my novel. I'm just mentioning all this because if you get rejected and you get notes, don't get discouraged. The notes are either going to be irrelevant or they're going to be helpful. Um, so uh, try, try to see it that way as a learning experience, and I think it'll be a good experience. I know that many people have the impression that you need to have a huge social media following to publish books, and that if you don't, people won't even look at your manuscript. I can't speak on this subject in terms of memoir. I don't know if that's the case with memoirists. But from my experience, that wasn't the case. Um, I don't have a huge social media following. I am on all of the social media websites, but I don't have a huge following. And nobody ever mentioned that. No one ever talked to my agent about that. No one ever asked me about that. Of course, they could have looked it up. Um, but if they didn't, if they saw that I didn't have a million followers, it didn't seem to deter anything. And after my contract was signed, then the publicity department asked me for all my social media handles for marketing, but it wasn't really a part of the publication process. Um, my money is coming in three parts to get to my daughter's question. One I already received <laughs> upon signing the contract. I'll get the second third when I turn in the finished version, and the last third will come upon publication. My agent takes 15% of that, a percentage which is very well spent. And because um, when you write a book, it's self-employment tax, Uncle Sam takes a very big chunk of that. And whether that's well spent, I'll let you decide. I don't. <laughs> I don't have a comment. I don't <laughs> think there are pros and cons. Um, the advance is an advance against royalty payment, by the way. So if you get an advance of $100, you need to make $100 and then start getting royalty money. Um, for traditionally published books, that royalty money is about 10 to 15% per book. And I'll talk about self-publishing later. The only other point I'll mention about my own publication journey is that for my first two books, I did get film offers. One I did not take, one I took, $5,000. Woo! <laughs> Almost could have bought a used car, but not quite. <laughs> um, and uh, that, that 
deal was made through my literary agency, but this time I have an actual Hollywood film agent. Uh, my agent sent her my novel and it really resonated with her. She wrote us back with the names of directors and producers she wanted to send it to, and these were the makers of some of my favorite movies. So as soon as she wrote, um, I want to send it to Ari Aster's production company, he Midsummer, I was like, you're speaking my love language. So um, we met in Los Angeles in May, and she signed me on, and she'll start sending it out when the writer's strike is over. I'm not holding my breath, though, because I think a lot of um, these offers get made, then they revert back to the writer after three years, usually, whatever's in the contract if the movie isn't made. Um, but it, it, I'm a movie fan, so it would be great, but I'm not holding my breath. We have more to discuss about publishing, so I don't want to spend much more time on my own journey, but I just want to make sure there isn't a question or two before we move on. Yes? about your relationship with your agent, how much back and forth there is. Like you mentioned there was a long period of time. Yeah. I mean, did you keep in touch with your agent during that time? What, just He's only interested in me if I have a book. <laughs> he doesn't want to know about, uh, oh, here are my travel pictures, you know. Um, so uh, when I wrote to him after this long period, um, I knew I wanted him to represent me still, but we didn't need to sign a new contract or anything. That had already been done. But once we're in the process, he's very receptive. Um, he gets back to me very quickly. But um, if it's not about that, then there were long periods where we didn't talk, yeah. He's in New York and I'm not, so that could be something too. Yeah. Yes. I'm not I'm not sure how that works, but I think it's a quarterly statement that the publisher sends you. Um, I don't know if there's a way to check like hourly or daily except by <laughs> except by going on Amazon and seeing how your how your book is doing um, which I don't know if I recommend that but it sounds a little stressful but I don't I don't think the publisher would update you more than that because when books get returned that doesn't count so you know if people buy a book and then return it um, that doesn't count in your royalties, so I think they need to wait and make sure. Anything else before we move on? Okay. These are general trends in book publishing. The U.S. book industry made $28 billion in revenue in 2022, including self-published and commercially published. Over 4 million new books were published in 2022. Why can't we be one of them, right? Seem like pretty good odds. Uh, romance is the most popular genre of books sold in the US, achieving over 32 million print copies. Total US book sales hit almost 800 million units in 2022 across all print sales. That's about a 4% decrease from 2021, but about a 4% increase over 2020. So I feel like for the most part, books are still alive and well. The big novel genres always dominate sales, romance, crime mystery, sci-fi fantasy, horror, 
but certainly these aren't the only categories. Women account for nearly 80% of fiction sales in the US, UK, and Canada. So if you're writing, if your reader is a woman, those are good odds. Currently about a million new self-published book titles appear every year. And this is revenue by book type with hardback getting most, and then the rest made up of paperback, ebook, audiobook, and I never figured out what other was, but <laughs> <laughs> somehow it revenue it, it gains eight percent of sales. Um, more trends for 2023 and predicted. There's a growing demand for audiobooks and ebooks. Those um, forms are just skyrocketing right now. Uh, the pandemic hurt small independent bookstores with 60 of them closing for good in 2020. And many people think the independent bookstore will have a hard time recovering. But that said, bookshop.org is helping with online sales and 30% of those profits go to the bookstore of your choice. Maybe that's Prairie Lights. Um, libraries want free access to their for their patrons. Publishers want to sell books. Right now, publishers charge libraries about $45 per ebook, but of course, that book might be checked out by dozens or hundreds of individuals. So, right now, there's a debate between libraries and publishers about a fair price for ebooks. As writers and readers, we love the access that libraries give to readers, the access and information. But as workers, writers who get paid by how many books we sell, maybe we can't help wish that the 50 people who might check out our book from the local library would buy it instead. Um, and then times that number by 17,000 public libraries there are in the US. So you can see the debate wages on. Self-publishing keeps rising. It's increased by nearly 300% in the last five years. In 2012, there were six big publishers, which accounted for 50% of all book sales. A few years later, Random House and Penguin merged, and now the, there are big five companies, and these companies now account for 80% of all books sold. But that said, indie publishing is also growing in popularity. Wolfpack and Mango are two independent publishers whose sales have increased about 300% in the last couple of years. And there are increasing calls for diversity, both in terms of subject matter, in terms of writers, and in staff at publishing houses. Technology, including AI, is shifting the industry. Um, I downloaded a chat a GPT app and wrote a few sentences and then asked the program for help just to see what it was like. And the program wrote two sentences in my scene, and they were the worst sentences I've ever read, which was quite gratifying. They made my first year composition students writing look like Shakespeare. So I don't think AI is going to write fiction anytime soon, but I'm not naive enough to think it will never write good fiction. I think that these programs will only get better. Right now, um, AI is publishing, of course, articles and nonfiction books. Um, one, another issue is plagiarism. The AI is programmed to write by reading published copyrighted material. It learns from this material and then critiques or writes on its own. But the authors it uses to learn from are not compensated. So there are lawsuits happening right now about this issue. 
One thing AI is good at in terms of publishing is cover art. If you look up AI-generated cover art, some of it is really quite good. And that's undoubtedly bad news for cover artists who are losing jobs and may be out of work. <laughs> I do think AI has its use in publishing, however, as a tool. Programs can help marketing directors market, they can help editors edit, and they can help us make our books better. I believe that when used as a tool, AI can be a good thing, but it should not be used as a substitute for human creativity. Um, I've always thought the idea of machines was to do menial work that humans don't want to do so we can write books. And when the robots are writing books and we have to do menial work, I feel like that's a problem. Um, I'm sure, there's a picture Mason was talking about. I'm sure you know that the, my daughter saw this and she said, could you have worn one more accessory? And I said, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Head to toe, I had it all. <laughs> Um, I'm sure you know that the Writers Guild of America is striking. Screenwriters and TV writers are striking for many reasons, including better pay and a fair share of streaming profits. And one point on the agenda is the use of AI. The Guild says that AI can be used, it just count, can't count against writers in determining credit or pay, and it also can't be source material. So far, the studio heads that make up the AMPTP have not been willing to agree to this. So I spent a month in LA in May and June and struck with my friends in solidarity. And now that the Actors Guild has joined, maybe there will be um, agreement reached soon. I hope so. OK, um, how to find and submit your novel, memoir, or collection to an agent. So most publishing houses do accept manuscripts from agents and not from individual writers. There are exceptions, which I'll get to in the next slide. But to find an agent, search MWL on Twitter. That stands for Manuscript Wish List. Use Poets and Writers Guide to Literary Agents, Readsy Blogs Database, and or the website's agent query or query tracker. You can also query the agents of your comparables. So if you love a book and feel like that's the, the agent of that writer would really get your writing, that's another way to go. To query an agent for a fiction or memoir, you need to finish your book. That's a little different than a nonfiction proposal, but agents and publishers want to know that you can finish it. Follow the agent's instructions on their websites. Every agent wants something different. Personalize your query letter. Why are you writing to this agent in particular? And follow up once, not 20 times, in about four to six weeks. I know it's tempting. You don't need an agent if you submit to small presses, such as university presses or contests, and are able to read and negotiate a contract yourself. And you also don't need an agent if you self-publish. Before you send to an agent or you self-publish, you might consider hiring a developmental and or copy editor. And if your book contains sensitive issues or if you're writing about characters who are different religions, races, or sexual orientations than you are, you might consider hiring a sensitivity reader. These are options that are recommended, but they're certainly not required. 
To submit your manuscript to an agent, you'll need to follow the directions on the agent's website, write a query letter, which queries the agent to see if they would like to represent you or read more of your book, and include a synopsis and possibly one to three chapters. Again, see websites for what individual agents want. The Art of the Query Writer. Oops, start, not star. Star too, I guess, by grabbing the agent's attention. Um, synopsize your book concisely and persuasively. Introduce your background and credentials. Show there's a market for your book and provide comp titles. I had a student last weekend who said, my book is um, Lord of the Rings meets Peaky Blinders. <laughs> right? <laughs> Who wouldn't want to read that book? So what are your comparables? And then tailor your query to each agent. So you can send out simultaneous submissions, but I recommend for each one you say, I'm writing you because I read your interview in Poets and Writers. I saw you were accepting new books, and the books you represent seem like they fit well with me. Or um, I know you represent so-and-so. They're a great inspiration to me, so I'm hoping you'll like my book, too. Something particular. Uh, a great query letter hook comprises five steps, according to Scribofile. Start with your title, introduce your protagonist, briefly describe the conflict, show what's at stake, and introduce the dramatic question. And this is a very short part, maybe the Intro with the title and word count and genre is the first paragraph. These are the next one to three paragraphs. It ends with your background, and that's it. So it's really just one page. You don't want to go over a page. Uh, for examples of great query letters, see Readsy blog. You can just Google Readsy blog query letters, and there are some samples for memoirs, novels, story collections, everything. A synopsis is a 500-word or so summary of your manuscript with spoilers. So a book jacket gets you to want to read, but doesn't give anything away. A synopsis says everything. Does the dog die at the end? You know, everything about your book from beginning to end in 500 words. And that's because editors or agents want to see the storyline. They want to know how it's all coming together. Does it seem like it has good scenes and a good ending? Self-publishing your novel or memoir. Why? You will have complete and total control. It's a quicker timeline. Um, traditional publishing might take two or three years. You can go on Amazon and publish your book in an hour. There's no approval needed. High, higher royalty pay and you retain all rights. Why not? There's some upfront costs. You need to find your own audience and market. There's possibly less prestige, although I feel like that's changing, really. And there's no agent support. For me, the biggest challenge is the finding your audience and marketing, because the uh, majority of self-published books only sell two dozen copies or fewer. And I think that's because the skill to write and the skill to market are not the same skills. So if you're great at marketing and um, social media and self-promotion, that could definitely be the way to go. If you're not sure about those things, then you might want to try traditionally publishing. How to self-publish your book? Follow the steps on Amazon. The self-publishing tool ACX on Amazon transforms your book into many formats. 
um, ebook, audio book. You will need to then market the book on your own to increase sales. So can I buy an Italian villa to answer my daughter's question? Um, in traditional publishing, authors make about 10% in royalties for each book sold. In self-publishing, it's about 50%. You earn royalties after your advance is paid. According to Publishers Weekly, the medium income for traditionally published authors was $6,000 in 2018, down 24% from 2014. So if you can buy an Italian villa with that, let me know. Um, the same survey found that the average income for self-published authors rose 53% last year over 2021, reaching a medium of almost 13,000, a figure two times higher than those of authors at traditional publishers. And here's more about money. Um, I'll just... Um, leave it here for, for you to read or you can come see this afterwards. Um, but there are different royalty levels for self-published, small press, and big five authors. Um, a few final thoughts. It will be wonderful if you obtain fame and fortune through publication, but in case that doesn't happen, the writing really needs to be its own reward. We need to love the process so much that publication becomes the icing on the cake, since it may or may not happen, and if it does, it may be not be life-changing. It may have been naive of me, but I never doubted any of my books would get published. Not because I thought they were so great, but because I knew I would work on them until they were publishable. So my biggest pieces of advice for my fellow writers are embrace the revision process and never give up. Okay, uh, now time for questions and comments. Answers are one kilometer that way, but I'll do my best. <laughs> Sensitivity reader, yeah. I'd be interested in one. How do you go about finding one? Um, I know someone, you can ask me, and also on um, the edit Editors Freelance Association of America, there are all kinds of editors you can find there, developmental editors, copy editors, and sensitivity readers. The one I recommend is a woman who identifies as half African American and half Native American, and she's excellent. I've sent a couple of writers to her who've told me, oh, this was really valuable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my question is um, suggestions for tracking down good comp type titles. Mm -hmm. How is the best way to go about doing that? I need to come up with three by this uh, afternoon's workshop. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you want us to do your homework for you? <laughs> We love a collaborative experience, so uh, thank you for asking. Um, I read a lot of, I, while I'm writing, I read books that are similar to mine, so I get inspiration or sometimes great confidence, like, I think I could do better than that. Um, and sometimes it's like, wow, that's so good, I'm so inspired. So for my book, I just read haunted house books, ghost stories, like Googling those, um, haunted house books, ghost story books. So um, if you're writing um, a, li a literary fiction with uh, maybe like about a marriage or something, you can just Google stories about marriage or something. <laughs> good luck. 
We won't tell your instructor. <laughs> if you do go the self-publishing route, um, can those also be made into audiobooks? Is there a free audiobooks kind of thing? Yes. Um, a robot reads your work. But <laughs> I, I'm half kidding. Um, that's the, if you go on AXC, it's a Amazon link, and you'll find that um, you can put it into any format there, print book, ebook, and audiobook. And I think the default is that it's narrated by a robot, which I think is less expensive than a human. But if you want to pay a human to do it, um, I think you would just follow the steps. But I re definitely recommend it. Uh, only 1% of self-published books are on audiobook, and it seems like that's really an untapped opportunity because audiobooks are so popular now. They're increasing in popularity. So um, I, I'm always listening to a book as well as reading a book. So I think it's great for self-published authors to use that form. I just have a quick question. Yeah. Um, on film rights, because that's an interesting concept, yeah. how does it actually work? So does it work similar to when you have an agent for the book? So basically your agent finds different offers and then you negotiate and you pick the best one so that when you sell those rights, basically you know what you're, what you're getting? I mean, your mouth to God's ears, as grandma would say, that you would get all these multiple offers. That didn't happen to me. I had one offer. Um, for both of my previous books, and the uh, the first one, the agent, uh, the person who wanted to buy my manuscript was just so effusive, and I, she called me directly, which isn't supposed to be done, and I got off the phone and said to my husband, "We're going to be rich," but <laughs> then. <laughs> She uh, made a very low offer, and there were other complications. When you sign your film rights, unless you're a big name, you're just signing everything away, and they can do what they want to with the book. So I didn't have faith that this person would um, make the movie in terms of my vision. In the second book, um, a director, my agent sent it, or someone at my agent's agency sent it out, and a director who seemed like had a vision that would work with me, wanted to buy it. I got that one offer, as I said, for $5,000. A movie wasn't made, big surprise, and in three years, the rights reverted back to me. This time, having a film agent, I think there might be more like multiple submissions, and I, I just don't know that idea of like, everyone is fighting for your manuscript, would that would be uh, as, as the kids say, awesome, but um, <laughs> but I just don't know that that's you know that that's going to happen. It's so expensive to make a movie. It's so time consuming, and often the directors or producers have their own vision. Like so, one of my favorite directors um, just creates you know his own screenplays. So. So once you do that, you basically lose any creative control over how that ends up? I think it depends on the contract. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so it, it, your agent can negotiate a contract in which you have some creative control, or if you don't, I told my film agent that I wanted to write the screenplay, and she asked me if it was a deal breaker, and I said no. Because I don't think I'm in the position to say, I will write the screenplay or else. <laughs> or else the movie will not be made. I think they would be like, okay, we're not going to make the movie. <laughs> you know, that could be a result of that. So I um, obviously I don't have a contract right now. Um, the first time it, that I did sell my film rights, it was, yeah, it was, I wasn't involved in the process, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Sunita. Okay, well, everyone, let's give um, Kelly a big round of applause. Thank you so much, Kelly.